Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League, your number one source for all of the Horizon League's top headlines. Here's your host, Justin Kinner. All right, welcome in, everybody. Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. How are all of you? I hope you enjoyed your holiday break with your friends and family. And I'm excited for today's podcast as we are officially heading into the weekend and tipping off Horizon League play. That's right. The non-conference portion of the season for all men and women's basketball programs is officially a thing of the past. However, we are going to take some time to open up the podcast looking back at the non-conference portion of the schedule and taking a look at where we stand in the standings no pun intended, uh, heading into this weekend as we officially tip off Horizon League play. Our guest on the podcast this week is ESPN's Mark Adams. I always like to refer to him as the Dick Vitale of mid-major basketball. I challenge you to find an analyst out there or a broadcaster that is more knowledgeable, more passionate, more excited, more enthusiastic than Mark Adams. He is an absolute blast to spend some time with and talk college basketball with, and I'm excited to bring you uh, Mark Adams on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon. Of course, our sit-down with Mark Adams being brought to you by Zervita. We'll get to our interview with Mark Adams coming up here in just a moment, but just a reminder that being a listener of the Reach the Horizon podcast does have its benefits, including exclusive access to tickets to the Horizon League Basketball Championships. To thank you for listening, say $5 per ticket by using the code HLPODCAST at checkout. Again, visit HorizonLeague.com and use the code HLPODCAST at checkout. I look forward to seeing you in Indianapolis. All right, so before we get into our interview with Mark Adams, I wanted to do a little rundown of the Horizon League standings for men's basketball as we head into the weekend, tipping things off. Wright State leading all of the Horizon League, the only team in the conference with double-digit wins. They've won three straight to close it out, including a very impressive win at Toledo this past weekend. They're 10-3. and Northern Kentucky, 8-4. and Of course, they're really you know doing as best as they can considering they're battling through a lot of injuries, you know, losing Tate and their point guard, and, and obviously losing Dantes Walton, their leading scorer and rebounder right now. They've been able to battle through that. Then you look there in the middle of the pack, Youngstown State at 7-6, and six, and then you have four straight five-win teams in Milwaukee, Green Bay, Oakland, and the UIC Flames. Now, I'm going through these standings, and I'm not one to put a whole lot of stock into the non-conference portion of the season standings, and here's why. There's a lot of teams that have a different philosophy in non-conference scheduling. A lot of teams like to really challenge themselves and they go out for the, I mean, there is the business side of, of course, the buy games. Of course, them receiving money to go play at a lot of the, you know, higher major schools to go play there and get that money. Uh, but then there's others that prep themselves, you know, and like to play teams similar to them and similar to teams in the conference to help them prepare for what they're going to experience, uh, during the grueling Horizon League schedule. So, if you look at what Wright State has done this year, it was interesting when we had Coach Scott Nagy on, head coach of the Raiders, during the, uh, you know, when the preseason polls came out. He said that they were one of the few mid major programs that did not have a high major team on their schedule. But they'd really, I mean, they, look, they played Toledo, they played Western Kentucky, they played Indiana State, they played, uh, you, you know, Kent State. They really did do a good job of going out and challenging themselves in the non conference. Now, a lot of people say, well, if you're not playing a high major school, you're not playing a good non-conference schedule. I'd beg to differ. That schedule, to me, is about as good a schedule out there because every night, for the most part, Wright State was playing an opponent that really did simulate the toughness and the size and the speed and athletic ability that you were going to face come Horizon League play. So I like that approach to it as well. But from a standings perspective, 
you know, Wright State got 10 wins against teams that they're going to be, you know, caliber teams that they'll face come Horizon League play. That's a great non-conference, you know, two-month stretch for the Raiders. But it's tough when you start analyzing some of the others. You know, you look at Oakland with five wins and Green Bay with five wins. You, you know, look at Green Bay. They played at Wisconsin. They played at Xavier and at UCF. Those are three losses on a 5-8 and eight record that if they were to play teams more similar to them, and I think Green Bay's a good basketball team, they're maybe 8-5 and five and sitting right there at the top with Northern Kentucky behind Wright State. All right, you look at Youngstown State. They're 7-6. and six. They played at Louisville and at West Virginia. Let's say they played a middle-of-the-line MAC team or bottom-of-the-line MAC team. Maybe that's two more wins from them, and they're sitting at 9-4, and four, and they're a game behind Wright State. And we're saying, man, Youngstown State's awesome, right? You know, perception is reality. That's kind of where we're at right now. And then my, you know, my favorite team in Oakland and how they go about scheduling, they, are, they have a grueling non-conference schedule. They do, I mean, they love to challenge themselves, all right? They played at Maryland, a top-25 team, okay? They lost by 30. It was a close game, though, in the first half. They played at Syracuse, although Syracuse, it may not be one of the dominant teams that Coach Beheim has had in, in recent memory. It's still Syracuse, and you're playing on the road. And then, of course, uh, one of my favorite matchups of the year, Oakland and Michigan State. I love seeing, you know, the, with the proximity of those two schools, I love that Michigan State is always open to playing them. That's three games right there that had Oakland just played middle-of-the-line MAC teams. Maybe they get two more wins, or maybe they win all three. Then we're talking about an 8-5 and five team as well. So that is why I don't like to look at the non-conference records of these teams and try to label them as whether they are good or bad teams at this point. Because you could be 5-8 and eight because you really challenged yourself in the non-conference. And when I say challenged, I mean really challenged, like played some teams that you're not expected to beat. But then Horizon League play gets here, and all of a sudden you're sitting at the top of the conference because now you're playing teams that you're built very similar to. So that's why I don't buy into the non-conference portion of the season as much as others do for this very reason right here. But I love really kind of exploring a lot of the different programs in the conference and their you know non-conference scheduling philosophies. And we all know the difficulties in that. Mark Adams, he is our guest on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. His visit being brought to you by Zervita. Mark Adams and myself, we talked about, of course, the top two teams in the conference as of right now in Northern Kentucky and the Wright State Raiders. He's a huge fan of the hire of Darren Horn at Northern Kentucky. Of course, with him living in the Dayton area like me, he's very familiar with the job that Scott Nagy has done. Uh, you know, Bob Grant, the athletic director there, you know, bringing Scott Nagy in about four years ago, and this program has really skyrocketed since then. I mean, he's very familiar with those two. Then we talk about the impact of mid-major basketball scheduling. It's a very entertaining interview. I promise you, you will not be disappointed. Here is our guest on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon, Mark Adams, and our interview being brought to you by Zervita. Here's ESPN's Mark Adams. We have ESPN's Mark Adams with us. Mark, welcome in, sir. How are you? Justin, I'm always raring and ready to go whenever you call me. I'm looking forward to visiting with you today. Absolutely. And, of course, as always, we appreciate it, especially during the holiday season. But let's take a break from all the Christmas shopping and all the family gatherings. and Let's talk some hoops, something that we're both very passionate about. I, for one, I can't believe that we're already about to start conference play across all of college basketball here uh, heading into this weekend. You know, it sneaks up on you, and the amazing thing, Justin, is my first game of the season way back on November 6th was a conference game because we've seen the dynamics of the ACC going to a 20-game schedule, and they actually opened this season with conference games. I did the Florida State at Pitt game on ESPN earlier this season, so it was a, 
a strange way to start the college basketball season, but was also a really exciting way to start it. And between the Big Ten and the ACC, both now going to 20-game schedules, it's also affecting some of the non-conference scheduling as well. Oh, yeah, and we're going to get into some scheduling here in a moment, but you've talked about how it was a weird start to the season just from how you know the scheduling aspect of that. But the college basketball landscape is kind of strange this year. I mean, there's no clear-cut favorite to win it all, and you could you know say it's been that way for a while, but this year more in particular, we've seen Duke go down to Stephen F. Austin. We've seen Walford get some big wins. We've seen, I mean, multiple number one teams already just two months into the season. There's no clear-cut favorite. What's your overall view of the college basketball landscape heading into January? Well, it's certainly been fun, starting with Evansville going into Kentucky and winning at Kentucky. And then you mentioned you know, the Lumberjacks and Stephen F. Austin going into Duke. And I think one of the interesting things about that game in particular, Justin, is that you know Duke spends $20 million on men's basketball alone. $20 million is their budget. And Stephen F. Austin spends about $1.8 million. And from the time I've been kind of charting those types of games, that's the biggest budget divide in NCAA history that I know of between one team going on the road at a home court and beating Duke. And, Justin, you hit it right on the head. It's, it's not predictable at all. I mean, we, we just it seems like every week we have a new number one. I think Ohio State certainly is, is a team that you've got to look at as number one, the job that Chris Holpin has done in bringing the Butler way to, to Columbus. But when we look across the landscape of college basketball, there are so many stories, including a team like Duquesne. When was the last time Duquesne was undefeated at this time of year? I think you have to go back to the 1960s, and they're one of the undefeated teams. So it's topsy-turvy. It's anybody can win this thing, and that makes it fun for guys like you and me. Do more with less. That's one of my favorite phrases that uh, you use regularly across your social media platforms. And you kind of alluded to it earlier, talking about the, you know, the budget gaps between the high major schools and the mid major schools. You pointed it out with Duke, uh, obviously, and Stephen F. Austin and some of the others. What's your, what is your main fascination with the do more with less? Because it is. I, I don't think people realize just how significant those upsets are when you really break down the budgets and the resources and the gaps of what the advantages of the high major schools have versus the mid majors it's amazing when you do see those types of events unfold when you see a Stephen F. Austin or an Evansville upset a Kentucky or a Duke. You know Justin oftentimes people use the term of mid-majors and high majors and things like that it's really more of the haves and, and sort of the have-nots there are 10 conferences today that spend four million dollars or more on men's basketball average per team and the ACC leads the way with spending almost 11 million dollars per team in the ACC of the other 24 conferences, excuse me, less than that, 22 conferences across the country, uh, they spend $3 million or less. So the budget divide is huge and affects how teams can schedule. And so the, the big money conferences, when I talk about big money, that would be the football playing schools plus the Big East, the American, the Atlantic 10, and even the West Coast Conference and the, and the Mountain West Conference would be in that $4 million or more average. And those teams can actually buy home games. The NCAA is the only national or international organization that I know of in the world that allows this type of behavior during the scheduling of non-conference games. Well, you can literally call up Wright State and say, hey, we'll give you $100,000 to come and play us here one time, but we're not going to come back to your place. And that skews all the metrics in their favor. And why it takes place, it's just been a historical thing that people have allowed to happen. But believe me, budgets play a huge role in how teams schedule, and it gives those teams a tremendous advantage 
when we're talking about all the metrics and then all the decision makers who look at who's going to make the NCAA tournament and who doesn't. And frankly, it drives me crazy. It, it's something that I think needs to change, but the NCAA doesn't have, uh, have an appetite to, to really take a chomp out of their cash cow, the NCAA tournament. They're fine with just the way things are, and they're not going to change that, but I sure wish they would. So if they, if they did change that to where you weren't allowed, if you're a, you know, a much bigger school, to where you couldn't pay the smaller schools to come to you, um, if they took that out, how would that change the landscape of scheduling in college basketball? Would that help the conferences like the Horizon League? Would that help them get more home-and-homes? Is the only reason that you're not seeing home-and-homes scheduled with teams is because of the, the business side, the much bigger revenue schools can say, look, we could just pay these smaller schools to come here. We don't need to waste our money on going out you know, to play on the road and risk a, a loss on the road. Would that change that that much in your eyes? It would change it in two ways. Number one, it would create what the NCAA often – portrays as their mission in life, which is to create a level playing field, but that's just not the case in men's basketball. And so if you outlawed those buy games, there would be more opportunities with more access for, for the have-nots, the teams with lesser budgets, to get access to neutral site games. That's one of the things that nobody ever talks about, but it costs money for those things. It would also provide for better home-and-home -home series at that level of college basketball well and, and force teams to play on the road. I mean, right now, those, those big-budget conferences play only about 15% of their non-conference games as true road games. Think about that, Justin. Only 15%. That means the Syracuses of the world, the Dukes of the world, the Ohio States of the world typically only play one or two non-conference games as true road games, and oftentimes they do against each other. They play against each other. It's, it's a collusion, if you will. The one area that would hurt... Uh, teams of lesser budgets, oftentimes these teams go on the road for that payday. Okay. They need that money to drive their overall program, not just in men's basketball, but across the athletics landscape at their university. But, Justin, I really believe that if you've got to sell yourself to go play on the road for $100,000 in Kentucky or wherever it might be, I think you've got to take a good hard look at yourself and say, are we truly Division One?" I? I think that's also a dynamic that not many people talk about and, and don't want to you know, blame anybody, but the dynamics of big money programs buying lesser budgeted programs, I think we've got to look at that and say, number one, it shouldn't happen. And number two, it wouldn't happen if teams refused to take that money or reevaluate their Division One status and play at, at, at a more reasonable level of college basketball. That's my, that's my opinion. You know, it's interesting. I remember uh, when – you know, a few months ago when the, you know, when the preseason polls had come out, we had had the coaches on from all the first team, uh, you know, the preseason number ones come on and coach Nagy for Wright state came on Scott Nagy head coach for the Wright state yeah. Raiders. He had come on and uh, something that caught my attention that he said, he said, they're one of the few mid-major programs in the country that did not schedule a, a high major program on their schedule. But he feels that that schedule is the best schedule that he has had in quite some time. And there's different aspects of scheduling, you know, Wright state and, and right in horizon league schools, not saying they don't believe they could be, you know, an at-large school, but that's just not how they're constructed. So they're building themselves, you know, to get ready for the conference portion of the season. So they're playing the Toledos and the Kent States and the Indiana States of the world, which are very tough schools that are just like the schools they're going to face in Horizon League play. I thought that was interesting when he said they're one of the few mid-major programs in the country that did not put a high-major school on their schedule. Yeah, and I think Scott has done a really good job of recognizing uh, where their program is and where the Horizon League is right now. Listen, it's not a one-size-fits-all, one Justin. And, I, and I've been through it on all levels of college basketball. 
and done consulting on the scheduling as well. And when you look at Wright State, first of all, they have a competitive budget of about $3 million for the men's basketball program. Coach Nagy is as good of a coach as there is in the country. And I, and I, I thought that early on in his coaching career, watching his teams play, and now being at Wright State, I thought Bob Grant's hire was, was just a genius hire. And, and Wright State has certainly proven that they're, they're more than competitive, especially at the level of teams that are under that $4 million threshold as far as scheduling goes. And sometimes you've got to recognize where you're at, where you want to go, and who you really are. And I think that Scott Nagy has a really good handle on, on what Wright State is, where they want to go, and how they want to do it. And frankly, the Horizon League, because of the lack of depth within the league, uh, there, there is not going to be more than a one-bid league. I mean, that's just reality. Northern Kentucky has built a good program. Uh, Youngstown State is over 500 this year for the first time in non-conference play probably in a while. But it's not a league that has tremendous depth. Uh, like, for example, when, when Valpo and Butler were in the league fighting it out as well. It's a different league now than it was then, and it clearly is a one-bid league, and that's the way Scott Nagy is scheduling. And listen, good for him. I think, it's a, I think it's a solid strategy for Wright State. Yeah, you brought up that $3 million budget, if I'm not mistaken, uh, from numbers I've seen. I think that's the smallest, just in the state of Ohio, that's the smallest Division One budget amongst all schools in the state of Ohio, and I found that to be interesting. You talk about that do more with less. That's quite the example right there of what he's done since uh, showing up in Dayton as the head coach of the Wright State Raiders. Well, he's been able to attract really good players, and the other thing that's, that's I think, interesting about Wright State, Justin, you've been to their practices. I have, too. And I just think that what they do from a standpoint of player development has been really, really strong. And it's a, it's a four-year program where guys come in, they're going to spend two, three, four years. They'll sprinkle in a junior college kid here and there or a transfer like Cole Gentry here and there or Billy Wampler, and they're going to get a couple of real quality years out of those kids. And, and listen, I saw Billy Wampler at Drake, and I thought he was a really good player. He's turned into a, a really fine player now at Wright State, and that's a credit to the coaching staff at Wright State. ESPN's Mark Adams with us here on Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. You mentioned Northern Kentucky earlier. That's one of my favorite mid-major basketball storylines in the last four or five years. I mean, making the, you know back when Coach Brandon was there before taking the Cincinnati job, their first year eligible to be an NCAA tournament team, they made the NCAA tournament. They've made it two of the last three years, uh, which, of course, helped propel Coach Brandon to the job at Cincinnati. But that's been one of my favorite storylines from a program. You know, it's tough when you first become a D1 program uh, to transition from D2 to D1 and to try to, you know, be competitive. They have, they're not only competitive, but they're a regular in the NCAA tournament. That speaks a lot about what that program has been able to do over the years. Well, and another really good hire in bringing Darren Horn. Mm-hmm. And, you know, John Brandon is, is really one of my favorite guys in college basketball. He's at my alma mater, as you mentioned now, at the University of Cincinnati. And think about what would have happened had he stayed there. I mean, the big kid, the vote kid playing for Cincinnati right now, he'd still be at Northern Kentucky. That kid might be a pro. When when it's all said and done, he might play in the NBA someday because he runs so well, he catches the ball, you can see him just getting better and better night in and night out. And and Northern Kentucky took it step by step. They have a beautiful arena there. They've got some guys, you know, that can score. I mean, with – with Walton and Sharp, both those guys are a dynamic duo for the North of Northern Kentucky, and that's a those are a couple guys that you can build on. You know, sometimes you take over a program and you look around and think, "What happened? <laughs> I'll just go off in this place." I mean, where's all my players at? And believe me, I live that life. But you, when you walk into Northern Kentucky and you've got a core of guys that can flat out play, boy, does that help you in the transition phase as, as a first year coach? 
Yeah, and you mentioned Darren Horn earlier. The job he's done in Coach Nagy this year with Wright State Northern Kentucky. Wright State spent the majority of their non-conference without Loudon Love, and NKU's yeah. been without their point guard, and they, of course, they're without Walton. I haven't seen the latest update on when he'll be back, but Walton, who's kind of an emerging star this year, who's been a fantastic role player throughout his career as a senior, to lose him the last couple of games. So they've been out with some of their stars, and they're still sitting atop of that conference right now uh, before conference play. But, yeah, very two very good coach teams right there in the conference. Yeah, Walden's their leading scorer and rebounder, and depending on his health, that's going to determine how competitive Northern Kentucky is going to be in the Horizon League, especially if, when, Wright State gets healthy. And, you know, Loudon Love, one of those guys, uh, just a, not only a, a really good player and, and, a, and a load to deal with down low, but also a guy that's so mature and, and brings a different perspective to the locker room. You know, Justin, I always felt like the greatest teams I ever coached had the best internal leadership. It became a point, I just tell my teams this, that once we reach a point where the least important guy in the locker room is me, then we have the makings of a championship team. And when you look at the leadership of a Wampler, a Love, a Cole Gentry, you know, the dynamics that go on in that locker room at Wright State is different than more immature programs. And that's called building a program, not just a team. And that's what Scott does such a good job of, and that's what Wright State is known for in the Horizon League. And God bless them. They continue to win a whole lot of games up there uh, with Scott at the helm. ESPN's Mark Adams with us. Mark, we'll let you go after this one. You made a, a comment earlier that I wanted to get back to that, you know, you do a lot of consulting and, uh, you know, in regards to scheduling. When you say that, do you are you meeting with teams individually or conferences? What is it exactly that you bring to the table? Like when you talk about the research that you do and you bring, I mean, I love what, following you on social media and all the tidbits that you drop. I learn a ton just, you know, following you on social media. When you talk about, con, you know, consulting, is it with teams, conferences? What is it that you are bringing to their attention when it comes to scheduling and trying to combat the 20-game conference schedules for some of the high major programs? Well, I did it for two years on a formal basis where I helped Conference USA develop their unique conference scheduling format where their last four games literally are against the top teams within the league. So they, they, they stop after 14 games. They reconfigure their, their schedule completely over the last two or three weeks of the season, and all the best five teams play against each other. So they get four quality games to enhance their metrics. And last year, while they had a team that was ranked only 100 in the net, which is not good enough to improve your seed. It's not good enough to get your second bid for sure. But they improved their overall net rankings across those five teams by eight spots per team. I mean, that's a huge improvement. They improved their strength of schedule by 50 spots per team by going into that four-game program. But the key is, Justin, you've got to have teams that are ranked within the top 50. If you have two teams inside the top 50 and you, and you do a, a unique scheduling concept like that, then it's going to enhance your seed and can bring a second team from your conference to the NCAA tournament, which can literally mean millions of dollars to the coffers for the conference to split out uh, among their members. And so that's what I did for two years formally, informally now. I still stay in touch. I still get to do the research. I put out the numbers. I do the do more with West, which a lot of fans seem to really enjoy seeing the budget disparity on those upset nights along with the scores. And it's something I've had a passion for as a small college coach, as a quote-unquote mid-major or lesser budget coach. And, you know, I've got a soft spot in my heart for those programs and for those teams. It's one thing to complain about it. It's another thing to actually try to do something about it. And that's what I've tried to do is, is give a voice to those teams and also provide maybe some common-sense strategies that they can utilize in their scheduling practices 
to bring a better outcome for these teams who simply don't have the dollars to compete at the highest levels, and so you've got to be innovative. There's the Ken Palm, the AP, you know, Sagarin and Net, and I know Net is the the main one there. But a lot of people jump on all of those different, you know, calculations of rankings out there. Net's the most important. Can you describe what Net is in a nutshell, just to, you know, in a, in a quick manner, so I don't take too much more of your time? But what is Net, and why is that so important for teams to track that? Well, uh, I wish I could give you a, a straight and great answer. The fact of the matter is that no one knows what the algorithms are with the Net. And, and frankly, I was the first guy to point out a year ago, and it definitely ruffled some NCA feathers, and I heard about it. Believe me, below <laughs> the radar, I heard about it because the net clearly was advancing the agendas of the teams who were spending more money to buy the most home games and slant the metric in their favor. They will tell you that they put into their metrics that home wins are, are lesser valuable than a neutral or a road win. But when you get the volume of all those higher-budget teams, again, playing over, over 60% of their non-conference games at home, and oh, by the way, Justin, they win 87.5% of those non-conference games, 87.5%. There's not a, a metric on this planet that can account for that. And the NCAA has left everything behind closed doors. It's like the Wizard of Oz, don't look behind the curtain, because they think they've got some type of proprietary metrics and algorithms and the bottom line is I'm all for transparency. I say open up the process, put more common-sense scheduling rules in place. The NCAA told me point blank that they have nothing to do with non-conference scheduling. Told me that point blank. I said BS. My BS meter went off when they told me that because they determine how many non-conference games you can play because they tell you that if you're playing in a tournament like the Maui Classic, then the most you can play is 31 games. They tell you whether or not if you can go on a, on a foreign tour in the offseason, that's scheduling in itself. But yet they don't have enough guts to step up and say, you know what, buying home games is wrong. Our, our whole mission is to create a level playing field. And just because I got more money than you, I can create the greatest unfair advantage in the history of sport. It happens in men's basketball. And frankly, I get fed up with it. I get fed up with the NCAA and how they go about their business by not governing the way that they should in men's basketball and allowing the almighty dollar to make every, every decision that's at the advantage of every, every institution that spends more money. That's the way the world works in college basketball. And I think I might be the only one that says it in that way. But it's the truth, Justin, and I'm going to keep telling the truth. All right. Well, that's what we love about you the most is your passion. And, of course, you telling the truth. That's always a good thing as well. ESPN's Mark Adams, awesome, awesome enough to join us on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon, the official podcast of the Horizon League. Mark, thanks so much for your time. I hope you had a Merry Christmas, and I hope you have a Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year, buddy. I, I love your work here in Dayton, Ohio, and thanks for what you do for the Horizon League. You're a real pro, and I've enjoyed watching your career grow over the course of these last several years. Keep up the great work. Awesome. Well, that means a lot. I remember sitting next to you at a, at a local college game here in town when I found out that I was getting the job full-time here. And I remember <laughs> I was never – I was so ecstatic that night. I couldn't even concentrate on the game that was going on. So that means a lot coming from you. Thanks so much. You betcha. Merry Christmas. And, of course, that's a day old now, but Happy New Year. All right, great stuff there, ESPN's Mark Adams. Our visit with Mark Adams being brought to you by Zervita. He was our guest on this week's edition of Reach the Horizon. Just a reminder that while you wait for the next podcast to drop, stay up to date with the Horizon League. Visit HorizonLeague.com and follow at Horizon League on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and Snapchat for news and exclusive behind-the-scenes 
access. Again, one more shout-out to Mark Adams. I absolutely love any chance I get uh, to catch up with him and talk some college hoops. And, of course, as you could tell in the interview, I mean, beyond knowledgeable, super passionate, and he just loves the game of basketball. And really, he likes to be the voice of mid-major basketball. He likes to kind of point out the deficiencies within, you know, the structure of the NCAA at times. It's not set up, you know, to be completely fair. I don't like to be that guy that says, oh, it's not fair. Um, but he does a great job of pointing out the deficiencies of, you know, the higher pro, you know, the high major programs continuing to change the rules that benefit them and continue to leave the mid-majors in the shadows. And I thought that was a great interview, and he made a ton of great points. Uh, and I'm, like I said, always excited for any time that we get with Mark Adams. That wraps it up for us this week. Uh, make sure you continue to tell your friends and family about us. Uh, anyone that's a fan of any Horizon League school or follows what we do, continue to share the podcast on social media as well. You can give me a follow on Twitter at 1410Kenner, K-I-N-N-E-R. Uh, we tweet out the you know we tweet out the episode each week. Uh, and of course, I tweet out a lot about Horizon League basketball. I follow Wright State more, you know, living here in the Dayton area, um, but I'm a big follower and fan of the conference, so continue to follow us along uh, for the journey as well and then of course I just dropped all the Horizon League you know, social media channels uh, and pages as well. So until next week, this has been Reach the Horizon the official podcast of the Horizon League.